I want to tell you about a day in the fall. Uh, This day that happened, in fact, this past fall, that was both my best day, one of my best days of the fall, and also, same day, my worst day. It just so happened that I woke up that morning and I was reading. And as I was reading my Bible, you know, I I typically uh, don't. I usually try to keep my phone on Do Not Disturb, but for whatever reason that morning, I didn't. And I got a text that morning that there had been an article that had been published in the Baylor Lariat. And... And so, and vertical was mentioned. So naturally I'm like, this is the greatest quiet time ever. You know, I'm going to click on this and just be so encouraged by everything that's said in this article. And as I start to read, I realize that this article is saying an amazing thing. Like the point of the article is this, just in summary, cultural Christianity is dangerous. And I'm like, that sounds amazing, you know, and, and what they're warning people of in this article is to not look a certain way. Like Christianity isn't just to look a certain way, which I'm like, I agree with. And in fact, they were talking kind of, they're kind of making fun of campiness and just in particular people that are campy, you know who you are, you're wearing Chacos or maybe Birkenstocks. That's like the next level of campy right now. A little step up, upper class camp, that's you. And so uh, that's the new campy. Sorry for making fun of you, just saying. And uh, it's true, you wouldn't be laughing. So here's the deal. Like, that's what they're saying. They were saying, you know, it's not just about looking this way. It's about knowing the person of Jesus, which I totally agree with. Here's the problem. They were accusing Vertical of propagating the message that you have to look a certain way. And in fact, I'm going to show you a picture. Here's a picture that was in it, in the article And it says this, this is a vertical metal detector, which doesn't exist. And it says, required to enter into vertical, Chacos on your feet, Jesus in your Instagram bio, membership in the local church, which great thing to be accused of, first of all, because you guys know, I'm always saying, this is not a substitute. This is a supplement, right? Okay. And then we'll keep going. Coffee mug in hand, which I wish there was coffee. And then calligraphy watercolor set. Don't even know what that is. And then... Sticker clad technology, yet another thing. I'm not sure what that means. And so uh, let's take that down because it's distracting. Uh, And I will admit the Baylor Lariat removed the vertical logo off of the metal detector, probably because every vertical volunteer complained at some point to all everyone they knew that worked at the Baylor Lariat. And uh, and so this, this happened. And I wish I could tell you that my response was like, Haters gonna hate, right? Like you just move on. It's an opt-ed. Everyone is open to their own opinion. It's called free press, right? That's not necessarily the way I handled it. I will admit to our volunteers, I just said, hey, don't worry about it. Do you think we do this? They said, no. I said, then who cares? I did the right thing to my people. On the outside, I honestly did the right thing, but, but deep down within me, I was so mad. And honestly, I was hurt. I was like, I've given them my life for people to think that following Jesus is to wear Chacos? Like what? This is insane. Like I was hurt. I was frustrated. I was like, I'm going to flip tables like Jesus in Holy Week. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a response op-ed and and I'm going to find out who wrote this. I'm going to meet with him. Absolutely none of that happened. But in me, I was like, it ruined my day. Fast forward two hours later, uh, Bailey Flake, which is a former vertical uh, president, and I are walking into Channel 25, KWTX, to be interviewed by the local news. 
And so Bailey and I are being interviewed, and this is the most comical thing. I mean, just opposite ends of the spectrum. Ann Harder, who works for Channel 25, because and none of you know these things because you don't watch local television, but so I'm just informing you what happens, you know, what Wacoans do. They watch Ann Harder. And so Ann is interviewing us about all the good that, that God is doing on Baylor's campus. And we're talking about vertical. We're talking about local churches. We're talking about other ministries. We're just so excited. And we're giving this interview. And in fact, here's a picture. This is us doing the interview. This is Vertical's debut. This is my debut. This is how I feel. Look at Anne. She's like, what is going on? We look ridiculous. And, uh, and so this is like, this all happens before noon in my day. And what I found out, you can take it down because I'm making a weird face. And uh, uh, what happens later in the day is, is KWTX, they post the video and I share it and I start to feel better as people start to share it and like it. And of course, like students don't really care about TV, but here's the deal. Like parents think it's the coolest thing. If you've been put on TV, they're like, oh my gosh, did you hear that all the good stuff that's going on? They were on TV. Like they think that's like the mark of credibility, which is crazy. But uh, uh, <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> for whatever reason, like parents were loving it and, you know, you know, my second grade teacher was loving it and all these things. And I'm starting to feel better about what, you know, the day. And, you know, I, I was devastated in the morning, but by the end of the day, I was like, you know what, I'm feeling pretty good. And I tell you that because the whole day was based on caring too much of what other people think. And so as we continue our series and C's get degrees, C's are things that you can get in college, i.e. the grade, that you can get, but aren't what's best for you. And so you can care too much what people think of you. The C is caring too much. Maybe you, you, you have thought of it in the way of approval of man, people pleasing, whatever way you want to say it. Tonight, this is what we're going to talk about. And, and what we're going to see is that often we do live too often based on the approval of man. And we're going to see what scripture has to say about it uh, tonight. And the crazy thing about this topic is that it's, it's really uh, ironic. And this is why it's so ironic. This story kind of shows this. And it's that we as humans, there's something within us where we crave approval. And what I mean by that is we go around and we want people to like us. We want people to show affection to us. So, so there's one side of the spectrum where we're like, we want approval. And then there's this other side of the spectrum where all of us would admit we're so scared of rejection. Like our biggest fear is that we would like walk in and like say what's up to somebody and they would just be like, who are you? You'd be like, oh, we met. Like, never mind. Don't worry about it. Right? Like, like that's our, like we're, we're fearful of those social encounters that we're like, oh no, I'm not memorable. Right? There's these things within us. We crave approval, but we fear rejection. And let's just talk about relationships because they're the coolest thing at Baylor University. Right? Here's what this looks like. So many of us, we, we want to be in relationships. I remember being in your shoes. I was like, you know, that's why so many people are just jumping from relationship to relationship because what they want is they just want approval. Like, I just want somebody to like me, right? But at the same time, we're freaked out. Like relationships are the scariest thing ever for some of us. We're like, now that I'm in it, I don't want to be in it. This is insane. <laughs> what if they dump me, right? Like we put ourselves, we put our hearts on the line. It's kind of vulnerable, when we're in a relationship and then that 
gives a possibility of rejection. And so it's this irony that we live based on approval when in fact we fear rejection. It's exactly what the devil and the enemy wants us to live by. It's a lose-lose. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to see what does freedom from caring what people think look like. And then we're going to see how do we get it. Tonight's going to be short and sweet. And uh, I really think this is important. And I really wish I, I had understood this when I was a student. Because caring too much what other people think and, and the approval of man really leads to conformity. It actually does lead to you becoming somebody that you're not. You're becoming what other people want you to be, not who you're actually made to be. And so this is a dangerous thing if we continue and allow this to go on throughout our lives, this idea of caring too much what people think. And if you don't think that you uh, deal with caring about what people think, I want you to ask this question for, for you, those, are, those that are on social media. Like, just think, do you post because you will like it? Or do you post so that others will like it? Like the majority of the things that you post on social media is usually things that you think other people will like. And so I'm just saying that because I posted a picture of a fish this weekend. And I was like, I really want to post this picture of this fish. I think it's the coolest thing ever. And I was like, what? This is dumb. Nobody's going to like this. <laughs> like, why would I post that? I get like two likes, right? And then I was like, wait, who am I living for? What am I teaching on on Monday? What is going on here? This is bizarre. Let's turn in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 21. This is the context. It's not on the screen. Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth and he's saying this. So let no one boast in men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. Here's the deal. This is the context before we get to chapter four. Paul is, what's going on here is Paul is saying, hey, don't boast in the people that you know. There's, there's division going on in the church of Corinth and it's based on people maneuvering based on who they know. Some people are like, you know, I'm one of Paul's boys. I'm one of Paul's dudes. Or, you know, I'm one of Apollos' disciples and I was baptized by Apollos, so I'm better. And so they're, they're at conflict based on status of who knew who. Social status is literally what they're dealing with within the local church. Sound familiar? And so Paul is writing to this divided Corinth and we pick up here in chapter four, verse one. And again, we're going to first answer the question, like, what does freedom look like? In verse 1, it says this. This is, how we should, this is how one should regard us, Christians, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they may be found faithful. The key, key here, verse 3. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. In fact... I don't even judge myself. Let's stop right there. What does freedom look like? Verse three, again, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you. So Paul is telling the church in Corinth, it's a very small thing that you guys judge me. He is, he's saying very clearly, I don't give a rip what you think. 
So the first, uh, first way it looks like, what true freedom looks like, freedom from caring what people think, the first thing is not caring what people think. We're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And so we're going to get to how. But people's critique, people's praise, it doesn't matter. Paul is saying it doesn't matter to me. It's meaningless. It's a small thing. And this is even what psychologists would say today. If you look up on Google, you know, how do I keep from people pleasing or the approval of man? Like things will come up in psychology today. And usually the most, uh, the most uh, advised thing is, hey, set your own bar. Don't worry about what other people's bars are. Don't worry about what, what other people expect from you. Just set your own and then live up to that, right? That's what the world is saying. But Paul goes one step further. To him, true freedom, in second half of verse three, it says, in fact, I do not even judge myself. Paul doesn't care what other people think, and he doesn't even care what he thinks of himself. So what does true freedom from caring look like? It's the word self-forgetfulness. Self-forgetfulness, huge word, mouthful. Uh, There's a guy named Tim Keller, and he uses this word self-forgetfulness. And in fact, I'm going to just take an aside and take a moment uh, to just mention this to you. What true freedom looks like is self-forgetfulness. Tim Keller wrote this book, and I read it when I was in your shoes. And it was really meaningful and and it really was impactful in the way that I viewed others and and all these different things. And even the way I started to understand that I can't even be a judge of myself. And so I want you to know that the majority of tonight is from this book. Like this is the commentary that I used to prepare for this night. And so if tonight is meaningful to you, I bought 10 copies of these. And it's a short book, my kind of book, right? 42 pages. And I'm going to read you two of them later, okay? So we're going to read like half the book tonight, okay? (laughs) If you like it, there's 10 free copies at our merchandise table tonight. It's on me. It's the least I could do because he gave me my sermon, you know, primary source along with the Bible. So anyways, I'm going to read it in a minute. But here's the deal. What does freedom look like? It's, It's not just I don't care what people think. It's even I don't care what I think of myself. It's this word that I, I wouldn't, we wouldn't have considered. Just I want you to ask yourself this question. Some of you have notes out. You're taking notes. I want you to ask yourself the question, do you forget about yourself often? No. <laughs> if you're like me, it's probably pretty rare. And the reason why this is so important it's because Paul goes on to, or says in the Galatians, he's like, if you're trying to please man, if you're always thinking of yourself and thinking of others, you can't please God. Galatians 1.10 says this. And the reason why I think it's important for us is if we're busy thinking what others think of us or even what we think of ourselves, then we can't consider others better than ourselves. If you've been at Vertical at all, you know I'm always quoting Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to your own interests, but also the interests of others. And so what I want you to see here is that when we're constantly thinking of others and we're constantly, not in a good way, when we're constantly thinking of what others think of us and when we're constantly thinking of what we think of ourselves, we can't care for others. 
simply said, we can't care for others if all we care about is what they think of us. I'm gonna say it again. We can't care for others if all we care about is what they think of us. We can't love people. We can't show them joy. We can't, we can't live as we were made to live because we're too busy thinking what we might get out of it or what they might think of us. We're not freely loving and living the way we were made to. It's getting in the way of our, of our lives. Our selfishness is keeping us from service. A good illustration of this is uh, a missionary And this missionary uh, is named Amy Carmichael. And Amy Carmichael uh, is a famous missionary. There's a lot written about her, but I I took this from Scott Sauls, who's a pastor in Nashville. He wrote an article called Death by Selfie. And he's talking about Amy Carmichael. And actually my buddy, Scott Dalton, showed me this, who taught at Vertical the other day. And, And it's this story of Amy Carmichael. I want you to hear this. Listen closely. After Miss Carmichael died... A loved one went through her collection of photos and discovered she didn't have a single picture of herself. What? Every photo was instead a memorial to the good things that God was doing in her world and to those whom she loved. Goes on to say in the article that Miss Carmichael stewarded her platform and she had a platform for the love and flourishing of others. God had given her her platform for his name to be exalted and for her to decrease. And in this, she became an invisible and clear glass to God. She was just a vessel. This is what it looks like to be self-forgetful. What does true freedom look like? Self-forgetfulness. The rightful next question is how Do we get that? Let's keep reading in the scripture. Verse four. So we're going to pick off, pick off, pick up. It's been a long day on this stage. Here we go. For I am not aware of anything against myself. Again, we just mentioned that, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to the light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of our heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to my life and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. Excuse me. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Let's stop right there. Some of you might be like wondering what is going on in this passage. Let's break it up. How do we get that self-forgetfulness that we mentioned? How do we get that freedom? Verse four, if you're in the scripture still. For I am not unaware of anything against myself. So again, he's saying, I don't even... I don't even judge myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. All right, listen closely. This is the most important part. Acquitted, this word, comes from the same word that Paul uses for the word justify, and he uses it all throughout his letters. And so what he's saying is my innocence isn't coming from the fact that I don't judge myself. 
That's what that means. He's saying, my innocence isn't coming from the acquitting or justification of myself. It's coming from the innocence and acquitting, so to speak, of Christ. Let's bring this down to earth. These are big words. Let's just make it really small. Verse, uh, at the end of verse four, it is the Lord who judges me. He judges. He is the one who freely gives innocence for those who believe. It doesn't make sense. He's saying, I'm free. I'm not on trial anymore. There's this language of trial going on here. And it's this idea that you and I are all kind of in a courtroom. This is what you need to know. We're in a courtroom. And what's going to give us innocence is not the fact that we forget ourselves. What's going to get us innocence is not if we're self-forgetful. What's going to give us innocence is Christ. Because he's already gone on trial on our behalf. This is what it says. This is what Tim Keller says so well. So I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to butcher it. I'm just going to read it. So stick with me. You see the verdict is in. And now I perform on the basis of the verdict. You and I, we live our lives based on the verdict of innocence given to us by Christ Jesus. Because he loves me and he accepts me. I don't have to do things just to build my resume. I do not have to do things to make me look good. I can do things for the joy of doing them. I can help people to help people, not just so that I can feel better about myself, not so I can fill up my emptiness. With every other form of identity and every other badge or accolade, we might award ourselves. It is always a case of the verdict coming from our performance. We might find security in labeling ourselves as a good person or a free person or a religious person or a moral person. Whatever it is, it's always the same. Our performance leads to our innocence. We try to earn grace. We try to earn the verdict, but the verdict never comes. When it's based on our performance, the performance never gets to the ultimate verdict. In Christianity, the verdict can give you the performance. Yes, the verdict can give you the performance. How can that be? Here's Paul's answer. He's out of the courtroom. He is out of the trial. How? Because Jesus Christ went on trial instead. Jesus went into the courtroom. He was on trial. In fact, it was an unjust trial in a kangaroo court, but he did not complain. It's what we're celebrating on Friday. He went to trial. It was unjust Thursday, Friday, around then. As our substitute, he took on the condemnation that we deserve. He faced the trial that should be ours so that we don't have to face any more trials. So the only person whose opinion counts, God's, looks at us and you and me, and he finds us more valuable than all the jewels in the earth. True Christian identity operates totally differently from any other kind of identity. Self-forgetfulness takes you out of the courtroom. The trial is over. The verdict is in. How do you get it? Jesus, you know the verdict. And the verdict is that you're innocent for those in Christ. It's insane. It's the gospel. God has given you the identity of innocence. You're worthy because you know Christ. You're enough not because of your good or your bad. You're enough because Christ was enough. When the father looks at you, he sees Christ. He sees his son. 
That's how you've been justified, by grace, through faith. So the crazy thing about self-forgetfulness and this, this way that we find freedom from caring what other people think and even caring what we think of ourselves, the crazy thing about self-forgetfulness and how we get it is that it's within us. It's already within each and every one of us. For those that know Jesus, if you're a Christian, like you have it within you. Christ is in you. And I don't know if you've, you've really caught on to this whole vertical thing and really probably every church that, that you've attended or all these different things. Have you ever noticed that like Jesus is always the answer? Have you ever, ever noticed that the gospel is always the answer and it's always the point and it's always like you and I can't do enough, but it's what Christ has done on our behalf? Have you noticed like newsflash, it's always the good news of the gospel. That's always the purpose. And, and here's what's crazy is that some of you are like, but I want more. I want something different. And I really think at Baylor, MCC, TSCC, Bible Belt, our problem isn't that we don't know the gospel. It's that we don't know how to apply it. That's literally what we're doing here every week. That's it. Nothing too special. But it's the most important thing in the world. That's it. That's enough. Christ is enough. That's why he's the point each and every night. Because the number one struggle for Christians isn't porn or gossip or this or that. The number one struggle is that we forget every single day that we've been saved by grace through faith and it's not because of what you've done so that none of us can boast. That's why we can't boast in anything. Anything we've done, it comes from the Father. Anything we have, it comes from another, comes from Him. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I don't need to worry about what you guys think of me. I don't even need to worry about what I think of myself because according to the ultimate judge, the God who's gonna judge all of us one day, I am forgiven. I am clean. I am set free. I am all of these things. And your next question honestly might be, so why can't we go and sin? Fair question. You can't. But just know it cost him his life. It's no cheap grace. The good news of the gospel was expensive, free to you and me but it cost Jesus his entire life. And that, knowing that, knowing that he loves us unconditionally and reminding ourselves of that each and every day is the very thing that's going to change us. It's the very thing that's going to set us free. It's the very thing that's going to set us free from caring so much about what other people think and us maneuvering for our social status and our days being based on what people think of us negative or what people think of us praise-wise. It's not based on any of that each anymore, any day. It's only completely based on what and who we are in the eyes of the Father. So again, I tell you, it's not that you don't know the gospel. It's simply that you and I don't rightly apply it to our lives. And when the gospel is rightly applied to our lives, then we'll be self-forgetful.
then we'll love others as Christ has loved us. Then we'll serve others as Christ has served us. Then we'll be the lights we were made to be. So in summary, what does freedom look like? Self-forgetfulness. How do I get that freedom? How do I get self-forgetfulness? We know that we're free. The verdict, the trial's already been done. We're gonna celebrate it this week. Because of what Christ has done, we're set free. We don't have to care what people think. Before I close, I just wanna say, I I think this is really hard. I made it sound kind of simple. The resolution, the solution to the problem is simple. It's Jesus, but I I wanna admit to you that I too care too often what you think. And that puts me at a dangerous spot to stand before you and talk to you each and every week. And this is just, this is me and y'all like, hey, like sometimes I just want y'all to like me. And that's sin. If I want that above you knowing Christ. So will you forgive me for the times I've, self-protected and made jokes to try to win your approval instead of just telling you what you need to hear, which is simply that you are loved unconditionally. And that's the good news. Thankfully, we have a savior. His name is Jesus. Everyone just take a deep breath. Just You're unconditionally loved. Just breathe that in. Kind of weird, but who cares? kind of nice so when you go home to Easter know what you're celebrating mourn for the death celebrate the resurrection and what I want you to know as we close is that Jesus set us free from caring too much what other people think but he also was an example to us of how to just hold loosely the things around us necessarily like he he was the ultimate example of self-forgetfulness Consider a few things with me. Palm Sunday, we celebrated it yesterday. People, as Jesus came in on a donkey, they were like, you're the man, Hosanna. They're putting palm branches down, which apparently was a sign of honor or something. I don't know, you know, to us, we're like, that's weird. But here's the deal, like they're, they're like bowing. They're, blessed is the man who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, like this is amazing and people are screaming and they're excited as this, this person Jesus comes into Jerusalem. They're celebrating him. They're praising him rightfully. But what happens just a few days later? There's a crowd of people. I'm sure some of those same people were there and they were the ones yelling, crucify him, crucify him. He isn't just what sets us free by going on trial for us. He also is the example of just holding loosely the praise and the condemnation of others. He is the perfect example of this. He gave us the ability to be self-forgetful and he exemplified it. And what's crazy is the ultimate act of self-forgetfulness was what Jesus did on the cross when he said, not my will, but your will be done because he knew the father loved him. And the more you and I learn to believe that we're really loved, 
this will change all things in our lives, all context, all relationships, all school, all parental relationship, all this, all that, when we know that we are loved by the God of the universe and that the verdict is in. That's what's gonna change the world as we show that love that we've been shown to others. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for the days that we hear just the gospel and we think that it's not enough. Lord, I ask for forgiveness even tonight for thinking that I need to bring more to the table. Lord, thank you for loving us unconditionally. Lord, would you convict us in our hearts for the times that we're living for the approval of others, for the approval of man to please people. Lord, would you just help us to apply the good news to our lives. Lord, we know the gospel. A lot of us know the gospel. We've heard the gospel. But Lord, we are asking that you would help us to apply the gospel each and every day of our lives. We ask that you would do that. And I ask that you would use this room to change the world because of the way that they humbly allow you to change their lives. In your name we pray.